0: John chapter 10. Praise the Lord. John chapter 10. This past Sunday, we heard a marvelous word from God. It touched all of us. Very simple. From God's spirit, beautifully opened up our eyes to the magnificent salvation that God has given. And how this man Nicodemus, he knew the scriptures, but the scriptures didn't know him as well. When we come to God in his word, God wants his word to become a mirror for our lives. And then all the things that have hurt us and, and, and broken us, all the hopes that were dashed and people that fail us, we have a lot of gripes in the world. We do, growing up at least. Then we come to the cross and we see that all the complexity of life and the fears, the future, the present problems, the trauma, the human being gets crushed under those things, unless God is helping them. And, you know, most people don't know that God is even with them. And yet God loves us. And so he's the one that's been protecting us from the jaws of death many, many times. We hear about the jaws of life, uh, those Devices that they use to pry people out of potentially fatal car crashes. God Almighty, he's a life giver. And do you know, the person that comes in that emergency vehicle, have you ever heard of ambulances crashing? Police cars crashing? We had a man in our Bible study. This is 33 years ago, I believe, 32, 33 years ago. And I remember he told me he was in the police force and they put him on death duty because he was in a car chasing a criminal and his car flipped over. And he almost died. And by God's grace, he survived and they modified his duty and he retired well, God's grace. But you know what? We have so much faith in people and God says... I'm the one behind the people who can help you. And so when we go to the source, it's like, wow, God, you're able to do all of this. And John chapter 10, same book, as we heard from John chapter 3, Jesus says this. Let's go right to the New Living Translation. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that there's a correct way to enter the sheepfold, this place where they keep the sheep, just like a house. People who come through the window, most likely they don't belong in the house unless they lost the keys or something they to break the window. But typically people come through the door. And the Lord says there are a lot of people who are trying to lead people into a better life. You have gurus, you have mystics, you have magicians, you have sorcerers, you have all kinds of people. And God watches and he loves everybody. Even the person that's trying to mislead somebody, he loves them too. But because he loves them, he won't leave them to be blinded forever. To come with a message. And the message is that God loves you too. And there are people who have misled others and they have been touched by God and all of a sudden they're on a brand new path. So Jesus says that he's the one He's the one who leads people the right way into the place called home, which is in his presence. Verse 2, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Every sheep needs a shepherd. If you leave sheep without a shepherd, they're going to get into big trouble. Jesus says, the one who enters, that leads the way into the life, home, is the shepherd. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. The point is there's an attachment of the sheep to the shepherd. Jesus says I am the good shepherd. That means he'll never lead us astray. Verse three, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So there's an intimate connection between the sheep and the shepherd. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. We had a video posted, but it was a, a shepherd who had some tourists, visitors, come. And he was saying, watch this. And he had the sheep out there in the field, and he asked everyone to mimic a sound that he would make to call the sheep. And they tried their best. They made all kinds of sounds, one after the other. And uh at least one sheep would just look in the direction of the people who were calling, but would not budge. Then after they finished everything, he just did one call. They all turned around and started making their way toward him. There's a connection there. There's a relationship. Jesus Christ, although if you look in the encyclopedia and you ask people, oh yeah, he's the founder of Christianity, the Christian religion. Actually, he's life. And he's about relationship there's a faith there's a trust there's a love there's an opening of the eyes that you're the one I was looking for all this time looking for love in all the wrong places now I've found you Lord well I was in the martial arts as you know many years ago I went into self-hypnosis I went into different things and part of the martial arts was this Buddhist philosophy and i I got exposed to a lot of different things, but in my spirit, I knew. I knew. Jesus was the one who touched my heart when I was very little. And when I was going off into different things, and music, it's part of a daily news concert, actually. Different things I did, trying to find identity, peace, happiness, future, and maybe even a, a love interest, you know, to get married, People, a person who likes what I like and, but God allowed various things to show me that I was allowing the wrong spirits and things to lead me into lies. In essence, I had gurus, whether it's weightlifting, bodybuilding or martial arts or music. I had gurus. What is a guru? It's some kind of teacher, some kind of leader, some kind of Uh, figure, role model, what have you. And the Bible says that many of them are out. But Jesus says, you're not going to find life in any of them because I'm the good shepherd. When we have this relationship with God, we'll be able to pick up, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Before I thought it sounded right, but now I know because I've tasted the real thing. I, I know Jesus, his love, touches me to the core. Those who heard Jesus Used this illustration. Didn't understand what he meant. They didn't have the teaching uh, that we're privileged to have by the Spirit of God. Now that the Holy Spirit is with us, um, these are the crowds. So, what is he talking about? He's not a shepherd. He wasn't he a carpenter. Well, he's giving a spiritual meaning behind the illustration, and it was a, a society that dealt largely with. Uh, Raising livestock and agriculture. They understood the surface of the illustration, but they didn't know the deeper meaning. So he explained it to them. God is so good. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. I'm the door. See, he's the good shepherd and the gate. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. Well, around that time, there were at least two cases in which there was a, there, there was a revolution. Two people who came within the decades of Jesus' arrival, I should say, before him. And what they did was they led masses after them to revolt against Rome, and they tried to go off with people, and they ended up getting prison. They ended up dying. So there were these impostors that said to the Jewish people, "Hey, we can we can save the day. Follow us." And nothing came of it. But Jesus was the real deliverer yes i am the gate those thieves and robbers the true sheep didn't listen to them a lot of people who are blind they went out to them and i'm telling you i'm the gate those who come in through me will be saved what is saved somebody says saved what do you mean saved when somebody's drowning you save them i get that but what is getting spiritually saved it's drowning actually in sin the very thing that destroys relationship with god And that three-letter word is really an umbrella under which all kinds of selfish behavior comes. And the Lord comes and he comes to selfish people like me and you. And he melts our heart with his love. And we can hardly believe it. You mean, for all the things I did and thought, you still love me, Lord? Where can I find a love like that? So, Lord, I want to know you because... I feel comfortable with you. You're the gate. You're the shepherd. Those who come in through me will be saved from sin, from themselves. People left to themselves, look at the Roman Empire, look at the Greek or Grecian Empire, look at the Babylonian Empire, look at the Persian Empire, look at the Egyptian Empire. They all self-destruct. Look at America. Look at the countries across the globe whether Silicon Valley or some center in Europe or in Asia. What happens to the millions of dollars? If you have vacuum cleaners, ever heard of Dyson? Anyone have a Dyson vacuum cleaner? Well, it's supposed to be one of the most powerful vacuum cleaners. And actually, I was just reading the history of that a little bit the other day and Turns out that the man was rejected repeatedly by people who said, you can't compete with Hoover. Hoover was the big name. You can't compete with these people. And if if your idea is so good, well, they would have discovered it before you, so we don't trust you. Well, he kept at it. And it's a billion-dollar company, and they have outlets all over the world, including China, not surprisingly. But the point is, with all the millions, with all this fame – all of this monopoly of sorts in the industry, the particular industry, um, are you lost still? Jesus says, yes. Money will not cause a person to be found by God. They'll actually drown more if they go after money. I'm not saying the owner is like that. I'm just citing an example of, of so many people who strive for fame and happiness Look at the man that's the richest person in, on the earth, I believe. That man uh, who's uh, planning to build a space station. He's the owner of that, um, what is that car? Um, slips my... Tesla. Tesla buster. <laughs> Tesla, yes. Thank you. I mean, he's got billions. But you look at his life horrible wreck of relationships. Who cares? I got money. You don't like me? You don't fit my mold? I'll drop you and go for I have plenty of people who want to marry me and I don't even have to be married. just have relationships. Well, inevitably, the famous people are the average person when they go after people to satisfy them, they always come up empty. Always. Inevitably. That's why the Lord says, I can fix everything, but you've got to come to me first. And so Jesus is telling this crowd, these people, I am the gate for the sheep. Any other person who tries to lead you into life, eternal life, they're lying because they can't. And you know what? The true sheep, they didn't listen. But the people who don't know me, they just go after them. Again, when I was in music, there certain people that I followed, secular music. When I was in sports in different fields, just like all of us. We have certain heroes, certain role models. But when I used to read the end of their lives, I was so disappointed. I was thinking, so this is how it ends? Lonely, you're lonely and you're miserable, and all of a sudden at the height of your popularity you're gone? I mean, what's the afterlife? Jesus said, I'm telling you, not the beginning to the end, but the end from the beginning. Yes, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me, verse 9, John chapter 10, verse 9, will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. In other words, they'll have a satisfying life. It's not without problems, but they will be able to roll their problems with faith upon Jesus. Faith makes a difference. Faith is the foundation. Hallelujah. I had a crisis of belief when I was about 20 or 21. And I remember there was a young man that I gave the gospel to. He was from a conservative Jewish background, and he fought me on this. And, oh, he was just hostile. But I knew it wasn't him. He was a good guy, good kid. He was a valedictorian, actually, in his high school, very smart. Jewish kid, went on to Ohio State University, became an engineer with IBM, He's a senior, senior, senior. He's up there now. But you know, at that time, I thought is my best friend. And you know, he's he's from a good family and everything, and he was smart, and we had things in common, interests, and we had a sense of decency, you know, understanding, and we didn't like to go with the crowd that did the wrong thing. So we hung out together. And one point after I got healed miraculously of the asthma, I said to myself, I can't keep this. I mean, if I really care about him, I'm going to tell him what has come into my life. and changed me. And so I told him. And everything turned sour. He became hostile. He took the Bible one day. He threw it on the ground in front of me. In my flesh, previously, I might have gotten physical with him. Because that's something you don't do. But you see, I understood that point. At that point, because God showed me, that's not Howard. And within a short time, I remember my uncle came from Germany. He was a pastor. And I told him, I'm, I'm really burdened about And I'm, I'm giving him the gospel, but it's not getting through. I'm telling him, you need Jesus. And he's saying, my, my Jews, Jewish people don't believe this. I'm trying to tell him, Howard, Jesus is the fulfillment of all your Jewish prophecies. It's in the Bible, in the Old Testament. He's not getting it. My uncle said, he just smiled. And he said, okay, we'll pray. He said, we'll pray that God will turn that rocky heart into soil to receive the good word. I thought, that's it? There's nothing for me to say. so now we'll pray. Within a short time, he got born again. He started reading the prophecies. He went to Ohio State University. He wrote a 17-page letter to his father and told him all the prophecies that he read in the Jewish Bible. He said, "That Jesus is the one we're waiting for. We missed him. And now he's coming to my life. And I have peace. I have joy. I have purpose. I have meaning. Yeah, I was valedictorian. I had scholarships and everything. But, you know, deep down inside, I was always full of fear trying to live up to people's expectations and trying to be accepted. Now I'm free. Well, his dad thought, it's just a fad, you know, picked up in college. and No, it didn't go away and got more into the word. Well, God comes to us and he shows us. Other people have tried what you are trying. They come up empty at the end. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. But if you come to me, you're going to find good pasture. You're going to be satisfied. The thief's purpose, verse 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. What saved me from a near fatal car crash in 1998 in the Bronx and Paso Karuba? The mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should have been killed. car was totaled all kinds of trucks coming on the Bruckner Expressway. And one minute, I'm screaming, Jesus, the car's out of control. The next minute, the car stops in the middle of that expressway. And I'm thinking, oh my God, we're in the middle of of this expressway. Anything can hit us. And I see no cars around. And I look to the side and I see about 20 people on the lawn across from Jacoby Hospital right there in the Bronx by Pelham Parkway. And they come across the street to help us out. Next thing I you know, I'm sitting in the back of a police vehicle waiting for an ambulance. And they examine me and they're afraid that I may have some bone fragment or something going to my blood and into the heart and slept like a baby overnight. Walked out without a scratch the next day, even though I had a swelling in the neck. It was as, as if nothing happened. Pascar was in shock. I was afraid for her. She couldn't get her seatbelt off and managed to get it out. And watching all those movies growing up, I thought, you know, the car can explode. Who knows if the oil spills somewhere, the gasoline And Long story short, that shook me to the core. And I told Pascar, I said, we're going to start having Bible studies in the house. I know this is what I'm called to do. God healed me from the asthma years ago and I didn't, I didn't stay with him. At least I didn't follow him to do the things he wanted me to do and he spared my life again and I've got to tell people and I started telling people on the job and neighbors and started a Bible study and people started hearing the word. Even had a Muslim coworker come. And, uh, sometimes God allows crises to come into our lives to show us the devil's out to kill you he wants to destroy you he wants to steal from you all the blessings I have and the Lord says that's what the devil wants to do he's the thief my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life rich doesn't mean necessarily a lot of money but God will always give what we need always he's faithful he's good Sometimes we may have to wait. But that's when we develop our character to know that he's working something greater in our hearts. Faith. Faith is the key. Do you have faith? Do I have faith? The more I hear God's words from his mouth, faith grows strong, rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good Shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. This is like a pastor who says, you can do whatever you want. We can have a party. Oh, you want to drink? You want to shoot drugs? You want to be moral? You want to steal? You want to cheat on your taxes? Listen, God loves you just the way you are. And he won't judge you because guess what? I did the same thing. Is that a good shepherd? Now, there are a lot of wolves around. And so the people that they lead will go into the ditch that they fall into. But the good shepherd cares about the welfare of the sheep, really cares about where the sheep are headed and wants to lead the sheep to good pasture. The one that is hired hand. The sheep doesn't belong to him or her. The wolf attacks. That shepherd runs. And the flock gets scattered. Verse 13, John 10, verse 13. The hired hand runs away. Because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Again, the Lord says, I Look at that. There's three verses later. Verse 11, in your Bibles, if you'd like to, underline that. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He's the one that died on the cross. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. What did Jesus do? He had to carry across a beam that weighed as much as somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 pounds. After he was beaten, spat upon, mocked, slapped and punched, had no food, no sleep, already dehydrated, bleeding, beaten, whipped, back is burning, on top of that 40 pounds at least of a wooden beam. Can you imagine the agony just to bear that? Not even got on the cross yet. it just moved me deeply. The other day, I was looking at one of about crucifixion. There was a section there wasn 't about crucifixion, but there's a section there. It just touched me deeply all over again I, I, I just I'm in awe of the love of God. the pain that he went through to set me free from my sin in my own selfish ways when I thought I was wise. God saw, I'm going to fall into the ditch. But he didn't just sweep down from heaven and fly down and then do a great rescue and go back to heaven. He paid the penalty for the rebellion that I was a part of. And it took his blood because God said, life for life. People just don't go, scot free for crime. Somebody has to pay in the world. there are criminals who escape. just sentencing it 's true. They either physically run or they have a crooked lawyer or somebody can get them out of that fix. Justice is not served, so they may go out and do it again and hurt more people. But God is the just judge. He sees everything. nobody escapes. nobody escapes. and yet he stepped down from the bench. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and said, I'll pay the price. But it wasn't like, Lord, beam me down and beam me back up. I'm just going to show up and and take the sentence, okay, and swear on the Bible that I'm going to disappear. He walked, blood pouring already. They pressed the crown of thorns on his skull. Why? This historical figure, Jesus Christ, unlike any other guru, unlike any other teacher, the epitome the zenith, the apex of love and holiness and power. He had so much power when they came to arrest him. And Peter struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear with a sword. Peter was in a frenzy. His adrenaline was pumping. He said, they're not touching Jesus. I'm going to go all out. Nobody's touching him. Over my dead body. The Lord stopped him right there. He managed to cut off the ear of that man. The Lord turned to him and said, Peter. Scripture has to be fulfilled. What are you doing? In other words, if he doesn't give his life for the world, the world is doomed. Nobody gets to go to heaven. He's in agony, but he's controlling himself. He was in the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and and mocked and flogged and spat upon. He already went through that agony in the Garden. He has to stop, Peter. And he also said this, Peter, put your sword back. Because they that live by the sword will die by the sword. And then he healed the man's ear. He has the power to do a miracle like that in compassion to go along with it. What a beautiful Jesus. And he walked with that cross beam weighing so much, dehydrated, did not sleep, did not eat. Dragged around like a criminal. And when they finally get him to the place, he should have died already. And they took this much as nine inches at least of crude Roman nail piercing his wrists, his hands, his feet. He didn't give up. He didn't give up until it was time. He hung there. And during that time, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And he did a whole bunch of things while he was on the cross to make sure his earthly mother was taken care of and all the things he was going through. You see, when a person makes a nice speech, it means nothing. There's no action behind it. When somebody says, I love you, but they don't sacrifice to show their love, it's really not love. It's just words. The same Jesus who said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Also said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And There are heroes, leaders who give their life for the country or their community or the family or their followers. People have done that. But nobody has done it to take away people's sins. Nobody went through the agony spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally deserted. The very moment he needed his friends they all forsook him. They fled for their own lives. And he's surrounded by dogs meaning Gentiles. Mocked. He did it for me. He did it for you. God's words have a lot of weight. He says, just as my father knows me and I know the father, verse 15, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. He's speaking about Gentiles, people like me, people like you. The first people that became Christians were Jews. And then it spread outside of that Palestine area, Israel, into the surrounding regions in Asia Minor, Turkey, into the Grecian Islands. And Rome tried to stamp it out and couldn't and it grew even more and more. How did it grow? Not by the sword, not by mystical deceptions, by love and truth. Verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. In other words, I, I pay the price to set the people free then I resurrect. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. So they captured him, and Pontius Pilate, that Roman governor who was brutal, called a prefect, they found this slab, 1960, I believe 62 or so. For years, historians were saying, there's no Pontius Pilate, this record in the Gospels, your so-called eyewitness gospels, Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They said, no, we haven't found anything in archaeology in this 20th century. Well, 1960s, they found it. They found the exact title that was given in the Bible, Prefect, which was not commonly accepted by people. They found so much in archaeology. But we have God's word, which is more sure than anything else. Well, Jesus said, no one can take my life from you. Pontius Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to release you? I mean, I have your life hanging in my, in the balance, right in the palm of my hands. Who are you? Where'd you come from? They say you're a king. Many questions he didn't answer and finally opened his mouth when he said, I have the power. Jesus said, bloodied eyes, bloodied lips, swollen, most likely standing there, and he says, you would have no power unless it was given to you from above. And he also made a startling statement. He said, you're going to see me come back in the clouds of power from the angels. Pilate observing all, the, I mean, he's seen people executed. He's seen plenty of criminals and zealots and revolters and murderers and false messiahs Jesus just struck him with awe and then his wife comes running and says have nothing to do with that just man I suffer nightmare dreams because of Pilate was even more shaken up and what happens The fact is, the Lord said, I can call thousands of angels right now. Instantly. Nobody can touch me. But I'm laying down my life voluntarily. Because I love humanity. I want to save them from their sins. I want them to know real love, have a relationship with me. I want their future to go across... Uh, uh, along the blueprint that I have for them to bless them. God is always about blessing us. The devil Devil's the one who steals our blessings. He deceives people, says this is a blessing when it's meant to kill us. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. But this is what my father's commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Well, we can clearly see the devil working in them. Because if a man says, I love to the point of giving my life to save you. If a man has walked in a perfect way before the public and every witness of those who are acquainted with him is that he's really the real thing. He's he's pure. He's holy. He's majestic. He's loving. He's self-sacrificial. He's teaching words that we never heard before and it's bringing us closer to God. He's doing miracles. He's raising the dead. He's forgiving people like the woman caught in adultery when everybody wanted to kill her. Everybody wanted to kill her. He said, no. They said, but the law demands it. In effect, he was saying, but I'm the one who gave the law. I'm telling you, I'm choosing to forgive. And any one of you who doesn't have sin, go ahead, you be the first one to throw the stone at her. That's what they did in those days. They stoned people to death. Things that happen now in certain parts of the world. When they catch criminals or people they think are criminals, in some cultures, they still stone the people. They break their bones. They drag them through this, the villages. In those the areas, usually crime is down, not surprisingly. They deal very harshly and very swiftly, but that's not God's message. When Jesus comes, there's love and there's another chance. And he says about the woman caught in adultery. They said we caught her red-handed in the very act. She was actually engaged in promiscuity physically. He was just, he just stooped down. He was drawing on the ground. He's writing something. And he says, well, whoever among you that want to condemn her, you have no sin. You go ahead. Go ahead. Cast the first stop. Well, the oldest one in that group said, I have sin. I can't do this. He walked away. And one by one, everybody left. Woman standing there, this woman full of filth. Didn't say she was violated. She was part of it. She was an adulteress. But the Lord didn't say anything about that. He just says, woman, what happened to the people who condemn you? Your accusers, what happened to all those people? Do you have anybody there? She said, no, Lord. He said, well, I don't condemn you either. She must have been stunned out of her mind because she would have heard about this rabbi, this Jesus, miracle worker and such authority. She just saw a whole crowd that wanted her dead. Everybody left. He has that kind of power. And before he spoke to her, she might have been trembling thinking what's he going to say to me because I'm the biggest sinner probably she hears love oh the love of Jesus it just shatters every cultural wall every religious impenetrable door that keeps us from keeps us shackled basically And he just said, neither do I condemn you. But he said one more thing. He said, go and sin no more. You know what God is saying there? Very clearly, when you read the rest of the Bible, you see, when the Lord says, go and sin no no more, he's not just saying, well, do the best you can. He's saying, turn over a new leaf. Leave that. And you know, with the word that God says, I have learned personally, we have learned in our Bible studies, in our church, In the Bible, when God says, don't sin anymore, he gives us the capacity. It's amazing. He gives us the ability to actually say no when we thought, I can't get over this. But it takes faith. Again, faith. Do you have faith? That when God says, you don't have to live like that. Trust me, there's a better way. But Lord, this is what I see everywhere, everybody. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it gives life. Do you see them prospering? Yeah, they're having a great time. How long? And how real is it? Do you see any other behaviors? God really exposes the heart in people. And we say, Lord, I'm part of that crowd. I want to follow you, Lord. I want real life, Lord. And so that woman walks away completely clean. God does not waste words he means what he says and he says what he means when the Lord of the universe incarnate in the flesh says to this woman that he created he created her in the mother's womb he did yeah he started the biological process with Eve childbearing it's a miracle how does it happen how do you how do you get a a human being again and again I've shared this. Scientists are still baffled. Medical people are still baffled. How does the amniotic fluid in the womb cushion that baby ever so perfectly? Man just discovers things. God is already there. God says, come closer. I'll show you something beyond your realm, the supernatural. No wonder it's called joy unspeakable. No wonder people shout and they jump. When somebody wins the lotto, they jump. They shout. Never see a friend come by and say, calm down, take it easy. You don't understand. What don't I understand? Tell me, honey, what, what happened? I just won $15 million. Calm down. You're not the first one, okay? Can you imagine being dumbfounded looking at that person? Did you hear what I said? $15 million. You know how many lifetimes I have to work to get that and what I can buy with it right now? I can pay off all my bills and then have a little more for dessert. Calm down. Oh, I have to take you to the psych ward immediately. Doc, she's flipped. He's gone. What happened? Well, we're just having a conversation and she looks at a phone and Stop screaming, doc. And what else does she do? She said crazy things like what? I won the lotto. And the doctor said, well, is she? Yes. You're crazy, not her. You understand that. How about somebody getting healed? Six weeks to live. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How life takes a different turn. Oh, sorrow upon sorrow. You mean... All that I see and touch and hear, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be gone. I'm gonna miss everything. Oh no. Then the report comes back negative. Everything's clear. You probably live to 90 something. Jumping for joy. See somebody saying, I can't take this. Stop screaming, please. Stop laughing like that. When somebody gets in touch with the supernatural, there's a dark side and a light side. There's a bad side and a good side. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will give power and he'll do like the horse with a carrot. He'll say, look what I just did. What I told you came true, right? So... Here's something else for you to follow. You want pleasure, right? Here, you can have it. You want money? Here's the easy way. And he gains the trust of humanity to slaughter them, finally. Jesus says, I'm going to show you exactly where this road is going to lead. It's going to lead to life. And I love you. I lay down my life for you. Lord, but I got caught red-handed. You saw everything I did, Lord. Everything I thought, Lord. I was mean. I was evil. God says, I know all about that more than you do, actually. I have a list of sins right here that you don't even remember that you did. But with all of that, I want to show you my hands and my feet. I was crucified to take that away from you. Give you a brand new start. This is a good shepherd. The reason I'm saying these things is to validate The words as being authentic and God being authentic by his own actions in history and in our lives presently. And the Lord laid his life down. So some people said he's demon possessed and others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Why would a demon want to open the eyes of the blind? Why would a demon want to give life? They're about death, steal, kill, and destroy. It was now winter, verse 22. And Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, or Chanukkah, some people say, the festival of dedication. He was in the Temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The Bible is full of details. Right off the bat, when somebody reads the Bible just with a little bit of fairness, and they examine other so-called holy books, as I've done, you'll see one startling difference immediately. The amount of details and the way it's laid out In many places, it's like a technical news reporter. It's like an eyewitness. It's like a historical document. There are details about times, places, things, rulers. There's no way that you can have all of these things put together, especially in the book of Acts. There are people who are historians who refuse to believe in the Bible. And when they looked at the Bible in the book of Acts, and followed it like a map back to the ancient world when they traveled, they said there's no other book like this. Then they thought, if it's so accurate in terms of geography and history, maybe the message that is supernatural is beyond me. But maybe that's true too. I just don't know it. I can't feel it. They got born again. He was in the temple, a physical structure that was physically destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. Well, before it was destroyed in the early 30s A.D., he was walking in that temple in a particular area called Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, this anointed deliverer, tell us plainly, because we don't see you like a mighty gladiator over here for the Jewish people. Jesus replied, I've already told you. And you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Oh, faith. Where are you? Faith? Faith makes a difference. Everybody can have a measure of faith to be born again. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fair for God to say, believe in me if I can't. But it's the devil that says you have no faith. It's the devil that says you, you can't believe. But when I cross that threshold, I step into the doorway My eyes are open. Oh, my God. I have a long way to learn, but I'm alive spiritually because of Jesus. You don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. What would you pay for that? $20 million to go on the space shuttle. Out of this world. How many people have gone out of this world and come back? Say how space looked. Not many. There's a price tag. Got to be one of the best astronauts, or you got to have the money to hitch a ride. But who can pay for eternal life? What is that? Fountain of Youth? Yeah, we heard those things in various folk tales in various cultures. But Jesus is talking about the real thing. He paid the price. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me. And he's more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Why did they do that? Because he's saying, I'm one with the father. I'm God. Jesus said at my father's direction I've done many good works. I didn't come and rob anybody. I didn't mislead anybody. I didn't cheat on any anything. Openly I heal people. I I healed a cripple. I healed a man whose body was swelled with a disease this thing called dropsy. Pain. I healed them on the spot. I opened the eyes of the blind. I made the mute to talk. I healed the deaf ears. I healed the person with palsy. I heard, I healed the paralytic. I healed I raised a dead man. Everybody saw it. It's a small town. You can't make this stuff up. Now, for which one of these good deeds do you want to kill me? How blinded a person can become. They can't see love. Because the devil shows them something they can't understand. And because they want to follow the wrong thing, they'll find a million excuses why they don't want God. But thank God, some people's eyes were open. A lot of people. But these people, they replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders, the people, I say you are gods. Not that they were God, but because God gave them the authority to be rulers. He trusted them with the wisdom that he gave them to do the right thing. So he said, you're acting in my place when you do the right thing. To lead the people. In that sense, you're gods. You are my children. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. King James says cannot be broken. So if those people who received God's messages were called gods, not God is God, there's one true God, but gods in the sense of Elohim in the Hebrew, it means this uh, rulership authority with a divine stamp. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? Did you ever see those so-called gods do things I've done? Have you heard words like I've spoken? Miracles? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Now don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work, but if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I've done, even if you don't believe me. In other words, you don't know, look at me and think that I'm a God, I'm God. Maybe you're hung up with trying to understand the supernatural or the natural, but you can see, right, physically what I did. Can you see? The evidence, at least. Believe that. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left him. It wasn't his time. He's not. He wasn't afraid. Jesus was the bravest human being, God man, that ever lived. But he was the wisest also. Being God in the flesh. And he wouldn't just put himself in harm's way for no reason. He was following the Father's will. He had died, did you know he died? Exactly when the Passover lambs were killed in Jerusalem. Thousands of Passover lambs were killed in that spring season while they were being prepared and slaughtered, the Lamb of God, Jesus, was crucified on a hill called Hill of the Skull, Golgotha, outside of Jerusalem. Outside of the city gates and then the, the big thick veil about 40 feet high that separated the holy place from the most holy place in the temple in Jerusalem. This landmark that you could not miss, the center of Jewish community, Religious life. That holy veil was torn from the top down. No human being could have done it. The exact moment, Jesus crucified. He died exactly on time. Everything was according to God's calendar. So God has a plan for us. When we're going to be born again and when we're going to achieve what he wants us to achieve, fulfill his will, fill our hearts with joy. As I said Sunday, a healing agent to the world. Not just a person who gives some good words and coaching and some comfort, but a person through whom supernatural power operates. To bring them to Jesus and even see miracles happen in their bodies, relationships. There's nothing greater. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. Faith, do you believe? Faith will cause a person to become born again. Faith will cause a person to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Faith will cause a person to have supernatural power over every demonic power and overcome. Faith will give the keys to the kingdom from God to set prisoners free. Faith will cause us to live a life well lived and well and forever reign with God in glory with joy unspeakable in eternal activities that God gives a glimpse of in the book of Revelations. Just the beginning. You look at the star athletes in the world. When I was little, I was into soccer. My father was into soccer. He played soccer. And I remember one figure that came up from Brazil, world famous, probably the elite, most celebrated Soccer player and among the most celebrated athletes period of the 20th century. And this Brazilian lived to 80 something years old. He looked like a decent man. Everybody loved him. I mean, he was, he had this charisma, this amazing ability to draw the crowds, hundreds and thousands. And he came to New York finally and they got him to sign a deal with the New York Cosmos soccer. I remember watching them there late seventies. Highly skilled soccer player. And I'm thinking, wow, what a, what a model, role model, you know, for people. I mean, you worked hard and he achieved unprecedented fame and the status. And you know, you always hope when you read about these great achievements, that the people are really good and they ended well. I think he lived a long life too. Grace of God was upon him. I saw that he had so many relationships, so many marriages and fathers so many children and it's a DNA battle with one of his daughters and and then he he goes to the Pope and gives him, I think, a soccer ball sign. He gives to President Nixon in the early 70s, signed the soccer ball, White House picture, and he's all over the place, from Brazil. And he had all these different operations and everything, and every celebration he's there, people have him there. I hope he got saved before he died, because what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Who cares? God doesn't care about religion. God doesn't care about how famous we are, how religious we are, and how many people uh, we rub elbows with, the rich and famous. I mean, he had the world in the palm of his hands, quite literally. There are people who said about him, fellow players who were champions, they said, "We are. Uh, he, he's he's from another planet, they said. He wasn't born on the same planet. He's so skilled, he's such a diplomat and such a figure, personal life rotten before God. What will he do? What will he do when you stand before God? Uh, Who has the nerve to tell him? Pele? You're going to stand before the living God. Soccer won't save you. Do you have the Son of God? Are your sins washed away? Do you have a clear conscience? Did the man who died on the cross save you? I hope. I hope. That he got saved I thought what a tragedy I I see tragedy over no matter who it is what person has pursued what unless you're born again you not only end up with nothing that you work for end up in misery forever why God doesn't send anybody to hell as if He just likes to do whatever he feels like. He loves to the point that he gave his life. And he loves to the point that he gives us the ability to choose. Just like in any relationship. A mother and father can't force the child to love them. The child can't force the parents to love them. It's got to be from the heart. A A woman or a man can't force the other person to love them. It's got to be from the heart. Otherwise, it's not love. It's just pretense. God loves us so much. He gave his only son who died a cruel death on the cross that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. With that faith, we can not only enter in, but we can grow steadily to the point that we actually become like little Jesus wherever he puts us. People that want to blow themselves up, kill themselves. People who want to kill other people, full of rage. Demonic spirits tearing at them, ravaging their bodies. They got themselves into so much. I know people who should have died, riddled with STDs and all kinds of stuff we don't want to talk about. I know how God has kept them. I know how God has miraculously healed some of them. And even the ones that have to live with it. They wouldn't trade the new life for anything because they know God will sustain me. He's with me. I'm able to roll my burdens to Him every day and I found Him to be the most faithful friend. God is real. John chapter 10 is a true record of some of the things that the Lord Jesus spoke which imparts life to us, gives us hope for our own lives and for the ones we love who are in the dark. And all we have to do is live like Jesus. Really care to the point of self-sacrifice and not what can you do for me. But I just want to give so you can come to know the one who gave me life and have life too. Life more abundantly. I will pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free, Lord, from the darkness, every time, the despair, Lord, in my whole life, looking for some role model, Lord, being disappointed by almost all of them. But, Lord, I found a few among the crowd. who are really living lives of joy and peace, Lord, without complaining and murmuring and being bitter and, and hungry for attention. and all oh, those few that are free, Lord, I saw this kind of life I want to have. Thank you, Lord, for healing me, the dreadful disease, the asthma, Lord, that kept me bound. Take away all... The faith I had almost. But you healed me and showed me that you're so alive. You helped me, Lord, to bring people to you. In my 20s, Lord, because my life began to change. And thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Everyone that has a equally valid story. Powerful story how the living God broke through to them when they were blind like I was. They're proud like I was. Playing God like I did, foolishly. And You never condemned us, Lord. He kept telling us, look to me. Let me wash you clean. Let me open your eyes. Let me clothe you with my righteousness. Let me give you everything. Then you'll be able to follow me. Be just like me and bless many people. Thank you, Lord. And praise you and magnify you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.